You're listening to the Bahai World News Service. Inspired by the teachings of Bahá'u'lláh, Bahá'ís and their friends have been learning about building new kinds of communities. Communities that express the principles of unity and justice are characterized by cooperation, mutual support, and love, and in which reason and faith, science and religion are in harmony and are directed toward the betterment of the world. Working for this kind of transformation of communities and of society as a whole is a long-term endeavor that has spanned decades and will continue for generations to come. It is something that has to be learned. Over the course of many decades, the Baha'i community has developed structures to facilitate learning at different levels, from the local to the international, and to diffuse new insights across a global community. At the continental level, this learning process is captured and shared by the continental boards of councillors. Councillors are senior officers appointed every five years to assist Baha'i communities in their efforts to work towards social transformation. Some 80 of these senior officers from around the planet recently met at the Baha'i World Center following the 12th International Baha'i Convention to reflect on major developments in Baha'i communities around the world. During this recent conference, some groups of councillors participated in conversations with the Baha'i World News Service for a series of podcasts on community building and social change. In this episode, Alain-Pierre Joulde, Clément Tirel Fezure, Mena Mkandawire, and Judy Kayel Mokole, all members of the Continental Board of Councillors in Africa, discussed selected Baha'i endeavors in the field of education. Clément Fezure and Judy Kayel Mokole work with Ahdia Foundation in the Central African Republic, a Baha'i-inspired organization that promotes community schools and provides teacher training and other support to these community initiatives. Mena Mkandawire works with a similar initiative, Bambino Foundation, in Malawi. Alain-Pierre Joulde follows the work of Emergence Foundation in Cameroon, which supports the work of an educational program that is aimed at youth and young adults in certain communities there. Together they spoke about these initiatives and their impact on local communities. The conversation begins with Mrs. Mkandawire discussing community schools. Then Mr. Mokole shares about the experience from his home country of Central African Republic. They are then joined by Mr. Fezure and later Mr. Julde. we have seen is that uh, we are involved in teacher training for community schools and uh, these are schools um, in the remote villages where maybe access to schools is not that easy. Children go to school when they are like 10 years, when they are big because of the distances between the schools. So our, our Baha'i community really has uh, had a chance to see the gap where they can help so that the, ch the children start going to school or learning something in an early stage. 
maybe the difference between the preschool or the early education for the small ones is that we start looking at teaching them in uh, moral education at a very early stage so that as they grow up um, they are both trained in um, spiritual education as well as the material education and the result has been that uh, they start really liking school at an early age and um, they continue they have a purpose for their life and they can make better choices in some of our countries they would say oh maybe you a girl child you have to stay at home help me with work the child really has a purpose from an early age that i have to go to school i have to learn more as we know really to educate a woman means that you have really educated um, a whole village and uh, the way they will look after their own children later on will be different and that would help to sort of um, improve on some of the cultural practices that may not be really acceptable at this time. Je viens de la République centrafricaine, un pays enclavé au cœur de l'Afrique, 623 000 km2. I come from Central African Republic, a landlocked country in the center of Africa. The education system in the country started to become weaker and weaker from the 1990s because of multiple political and military crises, and also because of an absence of coherence and consistency in the educational policies of the country. The government of the country held a large meeting that brought together all the educators in the country, along with political actors, to reflect on how we can improve the condition of education in the country. The best solution to come out of this meeting was to appeal to religious organizations to help the government, so that it was not the only one looking after education. In response to this call, the Baha'i community put in place an educational organization called the Ahtia Foundation to try to reflect on the contribution that the Baha'i community of Central African Republic could make to help the government educate the children of the country. It allowed the government to see a possible way to overcome the question of finances that was the limiting factor in supporting teachers at community schools, an approach focused on raising consciousness and changing the mentality of the parents so that they can themselves take charge of supporting the teachers that are educating their children. So as Judy Kyle was saying, we intervened in the domain of education. The approach we took was a bit particular because the education that we wanted to contribute was an education that took into account the human reality, which is both spiritual and intellectual. So our education put an emphasis on the moral and spiritual education of children, as well as their intellectual education. And just as in the domain of development, our approach in education consists above all in developing the capacity of the local population itself to take charge of the education of its children. 
So the approach that we take is completely in the field. It involves us having conversations with the local population, discussing this type of education that should take into consideration spiritual and moral education, as well as social education. Thanks to this, the community itself engages in constructing their own school, and our role is mostly to develop capacity by training teachers and accompanying the process of education that is put into place. We approach that process as an organic process. That is to say, the community can start with a small school, with a single class under a tree. Then, the next year, a second class is added, a second teacher trained, a little building is constructed. So progressively, in an organic manner, the community is constructing and managing its own school, and our role is particularly to develop the capacity of the population, so that the population itself takes charge of the education of its children. This approach was beneficial for our country. We had periods of military and political trouble when the country was paralyzed by rebels, and we saw that all the state schools were paralyzed. But because of the approach we had taken, our schools continued to function because the teachers were locals, and we had trained them to teach their own children and the village itself. It was their school. Thanks to this approach, the schools continue to function. So this is an example of a population that had taken charge of its own education. Moi, c'est Alain, Alain Djouldé. Je viens du Cameroun, un pays qui n'est pas loin de la Centrafrique, justement. Euh, I come from Cameroon, Cameroon, a country that is not far from Central African Republic. In Cameroon, we have started using the Preparation for Social Action Program. It's a program that is happening in the east of Cameroon, not far from Central African Republic, so it is very similar. Fundamentally, we start from the assumption that each human being has been endowed with the potential to contribute to their own transformation and the transformation of their society, and that each people, each community, has been endowed with all the capacities that allow it to develop. This type of study becomes a microcosm where we start to reflect on how we can use the strengths that God has given us to transform our society. In this way, we can see how individuals come together to reflect, to analyze what are the forces, what are the energies, what are the capacities that we have, and how can that capacity be useful to improve the conditions of life in our community. That gives them the capacity to be able to take action, sometimes short-term, sometimes long-term, sometimes more systematic, through certain projects, the impact of which is to improve the conditions of life in the community. Euh, dont l'impact justement est de pouvoir euh, améliorer les conditions de vie de, de la communauté.
this this uh, like community schools um, outside from the general where really you find that the community takes responsibility in uh, the education that their children are uh, involved in sometimes it is not um, we know what the education is out there that maybe the quality is not good the teachers are not dedicated and so on but with uh, our program they find a new kind of teacher who is dedicated and then they can see the transformation in the children in such a way that you know there is now a unified in in that village where that school is there's a unified uh, purpose for both the parents and the teachers to actually make sure that that education goes well so you find that this a lot of involvement, you know, commitment from the parents to make sure that their children are earning the right type of education that uh, they are getting. So some of the examples, you see that if a child has gone through this little school, uh, when they are ready to walk that distance to a, the bigger school or a formal school, you find that uh, the teachers have learned to distinguish between this type of children and the children that just come from the uh, from home to class to start class one, for example, and then uh, in, in so doing, we have also seen that even the headmasters from the former school now start supporting this school by maybe providing some chalk to the teacher or maybe a room when these teachers are having their uh, reflection and sharing ideas of how to progress them. Uh, their program so there's a lot of interaction and people can tell you know the difference between the children that have gone through these schools and maybe the ones that have not gone through those schools so it's, it's found any anyway and when they are starting even class one the headmasters would rather first take the children that come from these schools than the ones that are coming straight from home and in, in most cases, these schools, you don't pay anything. It's, um, even if it is, it's run by the community itself, if they have to pay, they pay very little just to, to support the teacher. And also in the village, there are some orphans, so they know this one is an orphan and then they let them go for free in those community. And the teachers don't get much. They don't get much, but it's the service uh, to their community, to their village, so that they see uh, some change for the better. Je voudrais compléter Jital en disant que bien que l'initiative a commencé au sein de la communauté barale, I would like to add to what Judy Kael was saying. Although the initiative was started by the Baha'i community, the initiative is oriented more and more toward the whole society. For example, in the beginning, we started with maybe a dozen teachers who were trained, who were all Baha'is. But now, the proportion of Baha'i teachers is maybe less than 50%. So the foundation is open to all other faiths. We have a lot of Christians now, even Muslims, being trained by the foundation. Among the children, more than 80% that attend our schools do not come from Baha'i families. They are from the wider society. 
So we see how the activities of the foundation are increasingly open to the whole society. One of the important aspects is really the involvement of women in the process. We can say that now we have almost 60% of our teachers that are women. This is because we have created conditions so that during the training, women can be in a situation where they are able to learn. For example, we tell the women when they come to the training, they can bring their children, even two or three children, because there are youth there who can take care of their children. For those children who are around five to six years old, we create children's classes to keep them busy. And at night, when the courses are finished, the junior youth also have junior youth groups for them. We created these conditions so that women can also advance and be trained as teachers, which the traditional system does not offer. In our country, when a young woman has a child, it's the end. She is penalized. She cannot continue her studies. We have done it this way so that teachers can be women. And we have noticed that our best teachers are women, because women, naturally, are the first educators of men. As you said, the first educator is, uh, of the child is, is, is a woman. Um, really, if the woman understands what education is all about, uh, you find that more and more children really go to school because it's the woman who controls the home. If she's busy, she feels overwhelmed, she'll take the first child not to go to school and become a little mother to the younger siblings. So if the woman is enabled to be able to participate, then you find that even the girls that come out of her, her children will look at life differently. So to enable them to participate, and uh, really in our foundations, I think in most of the countries, the, the teachers are becoming more and more women who are at the home and are more stable. And they don't move as much <laughs> as the men do because the men can say, oh, I'm going here to find work, I'm going to do that. But the woman with the children will stay at home. So if, if we have to rely on men only, maybe it may not work that well, but it has worked so far that naturally, by also focusing and uh, enabling the women, giving them an environment where they can participate in this uh, social transformation, uh, the program is going forward and it's becoming more and more stable. Peut-être euh, pour contribuer au niveau de, euh, au niveau pratique, je, je pourrais euh, dire que le programme de préparation pour l'action sociale a pu développer la capacité de. Perhaps to contribute at the practical level, I can say that the preparation for social action program 
has been able to develop the capacities of certain friends in certain localities to undertake actions that have contributed to improving the conditions of life, but also that have helped the population to see another way of approaching certain concepts. In one case, there was a group of friends who were able to study the Preparation for Social Action program. They studied the whole curriculum. They decided to become involved in the field of agriculture, so they formed a group to be able to cultivate certain crops and make them available in their community. The approach that they used was the approach of diversified high-efficiency plots. That is to say, instead of cultivating a single variety, they try to combine a certain number of crops that are grown together in a relatively small area, and that allows them to diversify the food products available to the population, and also to make the soil richer. Because the combination of crops is not random, the plants are chosen to complement and enrich the soil for each other. It is a new approach that might be part of a solution to the problem of soil degradation that we have seen in many communities. Because what we have experienced, the contrast, is that many people were encouraged to engage in monoculture on large fields, and that sometimes led to the degradation of the environment because they use pesticides, chemical and synthetic, and once they have cultivated 10, 15, 20 hectares, it is finished. The land cannot be used again for planting. That poses a serious challenge to the community. But the people who have gone through Baha'i-inspired educational programs have found a different way of approaching agriculture, in seeking to find a way to have the same harvest as the others, but using techniques that maintain the soil. I remember that this group of friends, when they started to produce, they were approached by a multinational firm that came and told them, you are well organized, we are ready to finance you to cultivate a large area. We would give you all the supplies and buy your entire harvest, you will make a lot of money. In another context, one would expect them to accept this amazing offer that sort of fell from the sky. But these friends, who had studied PSA, because the program had developed their capacity to reflect on the impact of such an action, they reflected and said, no, if we plant crops in that way, we might make money for a certain time, but we would destroy the soil, so we will not be involved in this kind of action. They realized that taking this offer would hurt their community, and so they refused. It was a big surprise to everyone. They said, no, we won't do this type of agriculture because it has negative impacts on the environment, and it is not good for our community. You've been listening to an episode in a series of podcasts on community building, spiritual transformation, and social change, featuring conversations with groups of counselors recorded by the Baha'i World News Service during the recent Counselors' Conference at the Baha'i World Center. For a list of audio stories and podcasts, go to news.baha'i.org.